Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 187 of the SCO Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, April 8th, 2021. It is Wide Receiver Day here at the SCO Show. What we're going to do in the first half of the show, I'm going to have sort of my top 14-ish wide receivers. We're going to see how many of them I can get to. For the full breakdown on those, you can check out the piece that was dropped at touchdownwireusatoday.com, breaking down the top 14 in depth, strengths, weaknesses, resources, film stuff, all the goodies that you know and love from me by now. In the second half of the show, I'm going to sort of look at each spot where the Patriots are drafted and try to match a receiver or two to sort of keep an eye on as we work our way through New England's board and their options on all three days of the 2021 NFL Draft. Before we do that, the cavalcade of reminders that you are used to by now. Follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. As I mentioned, Touchdown Wire, Pat's Pulpit, Bleeding Green Nation, Big Blue View. The main place, though, Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today, Wire Sports Media Group, network of websites. I do want to start a little quick pop culture plug. Finally got my way through Season 8 of Letter Kenny. Absolutely fantastic, particularly the way that episode, that season finale ended. And in case you're wondering, Do It Tried by M83 has been basically seared into my brain ever since. If you haven't checked out Letter Kenny at all, please do. It's a fantastic show. If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't think I've clipped the final scene of season eight, the, the season finale, and I've started workshopping some tweets for the Bird app, I've exactly done that. That's how I spent a lot of my Thursday morning. Let's dive into the top 14-ish wide receivers. We're going to see how many I can sort of work through here. Um, I like People that know me, that follow my work, know I like to tier players. And I've kind of got three different tiers at the top. And then after that, it's kind of a mismatch assemblage of prospects. Um, the top four, the big four for me, are in order. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell. Devonta Smith, Kyle Pitt. I mean, not Kyle Pitts, Rashad Bateman. That's the top four. That's the big four. That's the top tier for me. Those are guys that I think, although Bateman's a bit shaky right now, the curious case of Rashad Bateman and his shrinkage over the years, listed as a 6'3 prospect and listed at 6'2, and now he measures in just a hair over six feet. Now, I know we all inflate what we're listed at for football programs and stuff, but that's eh, curious. Um, but for me, those four guys are the top tier. Started with Chase, who I think fits everything. If you have questions about Jamar Chase, just watch the 2019 game against Alabama. He's going up against a heavy dosage of Trevon Diggs, who's using club techniques, who's jamming him off the line, who's trying everything, and Chase just bounces off of him. I mean, play strength, yardage after the catch, change of direction skills, strength at the catch point. Like I think Chase checks a lot of boxes, and he's not just purely a contested catch receiver. He's somebody that can separate, and that's why he's wide receiver one for me. One Wide receiver number two is Jalen Waddle. I think he's fantastic. I know a lot of people have gone the like Tyreek Hill route with him, which is a lot. I think schematically, he the conversation with him is similar to the Justin Jefferson conversation 
from last year. I think schematically you could use him as Jefferson. I see a lot of success on over routes, dig routes, which is very reminiscent of Justin Jefferson and where he was as a prospect and how LSU used him. So Devonta Smith, wide receiver two, separates route running, explosiveness, pace to his routes. I loved almost everything about his game. Same with Devonta Smith. The Devonta Smith conversation is the outlier conversation. He's a guy 6'1", 175. Can he withstand life in the National Football League? Can he hold up? And we know the risk-averse nature of NFL general managers. They're going to be wary about somebody with that size and frame surviving in the NFL. And they're concerned about it. And so... He might slide. If he's there at 15 and the Patriots are deciding to just stay at 15 and make a pick and there's no quarterback option, would I be okay with Devonta Smith? Absolutely. But I'm not making that decision. You know, the track record of receivers with his frame is not great. At the same time, I think if you turn on film with him, he plays above 6'1", 175. He punches above 6'1", 175. He's stronger on film and on the field than 6'1", 175. You see him blocking. You see him bouncing up after hits. I think it's not a concern. But again, I'm not making the decisions. I think you watch his game against LSU. You'll see him working against Derek Stanley Jr., a potential top overall pick next year. You see him taking some shots in that game and bouncing right back up. I'm not worried, but I'm not making that decision. But he's wide receiver three for me. Wide receiver four is Bateman. And his pro day has people wonder. He sheds weight, runs 4-3-9. People are like, he was fast, but not that fast on tape. He separated, but I didn't see 4-3-9. But it's just a weird sort of draft cycle for him. Now, he said he lost weight due to COVID. I think he can be an X. I think he runs fantastic dig routes. I think he's fantastic to all levels of the field. They used him as an X in 2019. They used him as more of a Z or slot this past season. I'm fine with Rashad Bateman at 15. Um, I know that there are some Nikhil Harry vibes, but I think he's different. I think he's great if the initial route concept and the football don't come to him. So he works after that initial route concept. That's a trait that I love to see in receivers. There's a player who I think does it extremely well that we'll talk about in a minute. But I understand some of the concerns about Bateman. But he's wide receiver four for me. So that's the top tier. The next tier is a player all by himself, Kyle Pitts. He's wide receiver five for me, as well as being tight end one. And now I I think with Pitts... The reason why, some have had him graded as wide receiver one, and I get it. You know, a player that sort of measures in at where he did, 6'6", 245, with a 4'4", 40-yard dash. That's impressive. And that's wide receiver, that's X receiver stuff. The issue is, if you use him as just a receiver... I think you diminish some of the allure he offers as a you know Swiss Army knife offensive weapon slash tight end slash receiver. You know if you simply put him at X, eventually teams are going to figure out like def- players that can defend him how to sort of eliminate what he does. 
you know, he'll still make some plays. Look at that play, him versus J.C. Horn, that is floating around the timeline again. I wrote about it two weeks ago. But teams will be able to sort of take that away. If you put him at tight end, slash slot, slash Wayne, slash Z, slash X, and move him around a ton, I think that's where you get the most bang for your buck as a team. And so... Purely as a receiver, that's why I kind of downgrade him a bit because if you're just using him purely as like an X receiver, I think you lose some of the luster. I think as a tight end, he's obviously a much more valuable weapon, but he's the unicorn. He's that sort of like one-of-a-kind player in this class. That's why he's in a tier of his own. The next group are sort of the slot shifty types, and there's a group of three that I really like. Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Ron Dalmore. I think all are fantastic change of direction, offensive weapons. You could see all guy, all three of these guys aligned at running back, at the slot, in the wing, at quarterback. I like all three of them. I do wonder how the NFL values them. Now, we've seen slot types get pushed up boards recently. you know. But are these guys coming off the board in the teens or in the 20s or in the 30s? No, that's sort of the question mark. I think... All three probably come off the board in the first round, but maybe not. Maybe just one or two. Now, I have them Tony, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, but I could understand going in different directions with them. Then we sort of start getting into like the nebulous area of the draft. And there's a player that consensus might be higher on than me, but that's Terrace Marshall Jr. I understand the developmental upside and the allure and the talent and the ability to piece it all together. And look, He's wide receiver nine for me, but he might be like three or four or five for other people, and I get it. And I think what's important to remember with him, he produced at a high level on an offense with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. You know, it's similar with Waddle. It's similar with Devonta Smith, who were producing on offenses with those guys. That has to count for something. And he was banged up, missed three games that 2019 season, and he still caught 46 passes for 671 and 13 touchdowns. Playing alongside Chase and Jefferson. So I understand the excitement about him and the allure and the frame and the size and the athleticism. I just like the other guys more. I think, though, if you're a team looking for an X and you miss out on Chase and Bateman, Terrace Marshall at the top of the second round isn't a bad pick at all. Matter of fact, all 14 of these guys, I'm fine picking in the in the top 64. So, there you go. A 10 for me might be one of my favorites of this group. And it's a similar discussion with Marshall. It's DME Brown. And the one thing I love about him is how he works snap to whistle. Receiver is, like some other positions, a very much a sort of snap to whistle position, right? How does a player execute his assignment on a given play? But what I love about Brown is, say he runs a curl route, and I've talked about this a little bit before. You know, 12, pushing up to 12 vertically, working back to 10 to 8, right? If the ball doesn't come to him initially at that 8-yard depth, he will come all the way back to the line of scrimmage if he has to to get the football. He will work across the field. He will do everything humanly possible to get into that receiver's, that quarterback's line of sight as a receiver. I absolutely love that about him. And maybe it's the former crappy backup quarterback inside of me that loves it when a receiver tries to help out his QB. 
But I love that about Brown. And it's a huge contrast between him and Nico Collins, who we're going to talk about in a second. Now, look, drops are kind of an issue. Like, he left some plays on the field. He had a potential touchdown against NC State on a great route, vertical route, beat the press, but just dropped it. PFF charted him with just four drops on 82 targets, a drop rate of 6.8%, which is above average, but it's a question mark. I think drops are noisy, and I learned that from Matt Harmon, creator of Reception Perception. Drops are kind of noisy. You can shake that off. I'm more concerned with the guy that separates, and it's that sort of contested catch conundrum. You know, guys that can win contested catches in college, it's because they can't separate. And if you're just relying on contested catches at the college level, what's going to happen when you're facing the Jalen Ramseys of the NFL level? Suddenly your 50-50 balls, your contested catch moments are 30-70. And if you can't separate, you're really going to struggle. Brown can separate. And I think the catches in the hands will come. But that's why I like him. Dwayne Eskridge at 11. He's sort of that next guy out of the shifty slot tier. If you miss out on the top guys... This, the next couple of players are shifty slots with one exception. Eskridge's run is one. My, my main note on him is this. Hitches shouldn't be home runs. They shouldn't be. But he turns hitches into home runs. Such incredible speed. Explosive. Doesn't give you a full route tree, but who cares? You know, legit 4-3 speed out of the slot. Throw him a hitch route, it'll turn it into a touchdown. That sounds pretty nice to me. So I'm a huge fan of his game. Obviously can contribute on special teams. Even played some D-back as a junior. Switched the corner. And so that's impressive. Troy Brown 2.0, maybe. Number 12, one of my favorite players to study in this class. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's Julian Edelman 2.0 to me. Feisty, competitively tough. He had a huge, an interception go through his hands against UCLA. Comes back and catches two big catches after that, including the game winner. He's confident in his hands, extends them from the frame on every single throw. I love this kid. And if you're telling me he's there at 46 and the Patriots have gone in another direction, I'm okay with it. It might seem a little rich for some. I absolutely love this kid. And if he finds his way to New England, I'll be overjoyed, even at 46. At 13, we get our final sort of X type of the group, and that's Nico Collins. He's very polarizing. There are some outlets. I know the people at the Draft Network love him. Absolutely love him. I'm a bit more hesitant on it, mainly because of this. The contrast in what he does on routes versus DME Brown is huge to me. Because as I talked about, Brown's going to constantly work until the whistle. With Collins, he'll run his route and stop. But if the ball doesn't get there, he just kind of hands out. That bugs me. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a, a quirk with my silly little brain. But it sort of bugs me. I much prefer Brown. Now, Collins, look, if he's there at like 96 or early on day three, I'm okay with it. But if it's 46, I'm, I'm not there. Others might be others might be there earlier on him than 46, but I can't get there. I think he's more 50, sort of 60 range. Um, and if he slides to the Patriots at 96, I, I could do that. Final player is Amari Rogers from Clemson. He's the main reason I had to do a top 14 rather than 11, which is what we usually do. 
you know, I wanted to get Pitts in, which kind of made it 12. And then I, I had to do Amari Rodgers, but he graded out just below Nico Collins for me. But I wasn't doing this piece without Amari Rodgers because he's a player that I love as well. And interestingly enough, in terms of comparisons, PFF's draft guide went with Ty Montgomery, which I get. I went with Shane Vereen, which is weird, but he's built like a running back. He took snaps at running back at his pro day. I could see him being used as a third down back. He's got the frame for it, but he runs routes like a slot receiver, wins with change of direction. I think he's an offensive weapon, perfect for the position of this football way this game is trended. So there's kind of my top 14. Um, If you like it, great. Share it around. If you don't, well, I'm just an idiot. I know that. Up next, we're going to talk about different receiver options in the draft at various points of the draft, top to bottom, all the way down to the Bed Mason pick at 242. That's ahead here in episode 187 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 187 of the Sco Show. And I know it's draft guide season, right? You're seeing Dame Bruglers, you're seeing all sorts of other draft guides out there. Um, you might be inundated with draft guides, but allow me a quick personal plug. Um, everybody over at Cheesehead TV, it's a Green Bay Packers site. They do their draft guide each and every year, and it is honestly one of my favorites. Um, Aaron Nagler, a lot of people over there do a lot of work into it. And look, if you are intrigued by offensive line play, there's nobody better at it. You know, Brandon Thorne, Duke Mannyweather, Owen Reese. Like those are the three, those are my go-tos. Like if I've got an offensive line question, I go to one of those three. And Owen has literally like sat on Zooms with me to break down like pass protections. Like I remember one day, you know, he was on his lunch break and he's like huddled in a break room on a Zoom, breaking down film with me. He's my boy. Um, But they just dropped their draft guide. You can certainly get yourself a copy. I would strongly recommend it. I've been reading through it this morning. It's fantastic. You can find it. You can go to their Twitter website. It's their pin t- their Twitter handle at Cheesehead TV. It's their pin tweet right now. You can follow Owen on Twitter at Reese Draft. Do that if you don't already. Besides, look, he's like Quinn Miners is like Sherpa through this entire pre-draft process. You can even see, you know, funny moments of Owen at his pro day at Quinn's pro day, like charting the vertical and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but their draft guide is fantastic. So check that out. Uh, again, it's their pin tweet at Cheesehead TV. Uh, get yourself a copy. I strongly recommend it. Let's talk Patriots draft options at the receiver spots at various rounds of the draft. I don't want to say each pick, right? Because, you know, 21, 121, 123, that's kind of the same, right? I'm not going to give you one at one and a couple at the other. Uh, but I did sort of want to work through wide receiver options at various points of the draft. And I think at 15, any of the guys in the top, say, two tiers, right? You know, Chase, he won't be there. Waddle, he probably won't be there. Smith, he might be there. Um, I doubt it, but if he's there at 15, I'm certainly okay with it. And Bateman, I'm okay with that at 15. You know, and if Pitts is somehow there, yeah, obviously I'm okay with Kyle Pitts at 15. You know, I think the the sort of tougher questions are, you know, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, Rondale Moore. Like, are you okay with those guys at 15? And I, I think given the 
other needs? Maybe not. Now, if you slide back a couple of spots or to the end of the first round or the top of the second, yeah, all those guys would be fantastic. Um, it's that pick at 46 where guys like Tony, Marshall, Moore, Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Like I know Amon Ross, St. Brown was like my wide receiver 12, but I'd be okay with him at 46. Um, Eskridge, I'd be okay with at 46, I think. Nico Collins, it's a bit more of a stretch. Rodgers, probably more at the pick at 96, um, but I get it. 97 is, I think, where you can have some fun because, you know, Wallace, the Oklahoma State kid, um, Jaleon Darden, maybe at 97, although it might be a bit of a reach. Certainly if players like Eskridge, Collins are there, Amon Ross St. Brown, if they're there, Absolutely. A player that's been sort of linked in that range, Demetric Felton, after his testing, which, you know, was not great, I'm not there, you know, 96 for Felton. Mostly because, look, I mean, he's sort of a positionless player, undersized, running back slash wide receiver. But Felton's relative athletic score, 0.91 out of a possible 10, which ranked 2,272nd out of 2,499 receivers from 87 to 2001. Like, I don't think I could get a 1.0 graded as a receiver on the RAS. I might try. I'm literally, as I'm recording this, I'm in the basement office. I've got the measuring tape on the floor. I busted out an 83-inch broad jump in in socks this morning. So I'm very curious to see if I could hit 90. Um, but also my left knee is sore after doing that a couple of times. So there's that too. Now, I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying I could top Felton's RAS as a receiver, but that ain't great. Um, so I'm kind of out on Felton at 96. It's, it's just not the best athletic profile. Um, now, I understand, look, at 96, you are throwing darts. I get it, but... You'd like to have a better shot at the dart throw, right? As we get to the 120 to, what, say, 140, those fourth-round picks, names to keep in mind there. Atwell from Louisville. Jaleon Darden from North Texas. Simi Fioko, who tested extremely well. The Stanford wideout caught the game winner from Davis Mills. Uh, Seth Williams, Marlon Williams. And Josh, Josh I, and I've got his pronunciation here. I want to get it right. Hold on one second. Because, look, I, I, I've been researching the pronunciation on his name because I don't want to mess it up. I had it written down somewhere. I want to make sure I get it. There we go. Josh Imarabebe. Tested extremely well. Um, if he's there in the fourth round, I'd be okay with it. You can't teach that explosiveness, the vertical, the broad, and all of that stuff. I'd be fine with Josh Imarabebe with any of those picks in the fourth round, whether it's 120, 123, you know, the one at 140, the comp pick at the end of the fourth round. I'm using Tankathon's list of picks, by the way, if the numbers seem off to you. As we head into the fifth round, that pick up, let's list it at 178. Marquez Stevenson, Daz Newsom, Trayvon Grimes, and Kay Johnson, and Cornell Powell. Like, those are the names I'm looking at. And you can even throw the sixth round picks in there as well. Like, those are some names I'm looking at there. Dax Millen, of course, too, from BYU. Uh, another slot type, but those are some guys I'm very intrigued by. If they go receiver at the Ben Mason spot, 
A name that's really sort of intriguing to me is Racy McMath, the LSU player. He's been in a lot of our mocks. Um, you know, I, I think it's Ben Mason in the Ben Mason spot. When I was on with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth um, on their show earlier this week, and I mentioned Ben Mason in the Ben Mason spot, um, they both loved it. Um, so that's catching on, kids, which we're very, very excited about. Um, so those are some receiver fits throughout the rest of the the entire draft. Um, those are some guys that I like. Those are some guys that I'm watching. Those are some guys that I'd sort of be excited about in each of those spots. Now, we have a couple minutes left. So before we go, I did want to mention Peter Schrager's mock, which has the Patriots trading up to get Josh Fields. Sign me up. Now, a lot of that mock has been questioned. Um, Davis Mills at 32, for example, has been questioned. Uh the Cardinals trading up for Kyle Pitts at seven has been questioned, but I am quite all right with Justin Fields at four. And in that, they gave up a future first and third, which if that's it, that's okay by me. So I'm a fan of that as well. So sign me up. But look, we are now four weeks out to the night of the draft. So we're getting close. That will do it for today, friends. I will be back Monday with another mock draft Monday. Send in your mocks. I know there's a mock I failed to get to, so i got to give a shout-out here, and I'm going to kick it off when I get to the listener mocks in the second half of the show. But it was a mock that was sent in, and I forgot to read it, and I feel horrible about it. Um, I believe it was Josh Taylor who sent in a mock. Yeah, Josh Taylor, who was just... First mock draft submission, and I forgot to read it. Josh, man, my bad. I'm going to kick it off um, Monday show with it. I didn't forget about you. I just scrolled past it. My apologies. Um, But we'll have mock draft Monday, um, next Monday, and then late next week we'll probably have corners or or edges or linebackers because those are the position groups I'm rolling into now on the defensive side of the ball, so you can check that out as well. Uh, Touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Until next time, friends, stay safe, chicken on your loved ones, wash those hands, and when you do, sit along, bless those Patriots reigns, Donna Foxworth.